screen until it pops up. There we go. Hi. When I was a monk, um, I my day was scheduled into two-hour increments. Um, that's kind of the way it worked. Um, two hours of every one of those days was worship. And at that time, I wasn't a singer. I didn't sing in front of people. I wasn't a musician or anything like that. But I thought it was important to at least have two hours of my day, which was totally focused on the Lord and not on myself. So I played. I had about five chords in my guitar, and I'd play these songs, and that was part of my day. And I think I shared before that um, I started to just sing from my heart, and I noticed that my heart would open in a different way when I would do that than when I was just talking to him. So I began to do that more often, and that's how songwriting started for me um, inadvertently. Um, also, one day I was, um, it was just this wonderful day where I was just singing, and I think the song I was singing was this old song, Lord, You Are More Precious Than Silver. You guys, have any of you ever heard that song? Um, I think it was that song. But as I've told you guys lots of times, my goal in life is to love Jesus as much as a human being can possibly love him on the earth. Um, that's what I want to do with my life. However, I never really felt, and a lot, still don't a lot of times, that that's sincere from me, that I really love him. And it was in singing that song one day, I was just repeating over and over again, and nothing I desire compares with you. And it hit me. I do love him. Um, and I, I just, I'm not a person who's real well connected emotionally. I, I don't think with my heart, it's something I'm asking the Lord to help me with. But I just started to weep. I'm not much of a crier. But it was just so important to me that I knew, oh my gosh, I do love you. I'm not just saying things. I'm not just... Um, I just don't love you just because you do good things for me. That was a big time in my life. Today I want to talk about worship. Um, and just to start off, I always want to say when we talk about worship, it's not just these few minutes that we have before the preaching. Worship is way bigger than all of that. Worship, we can worship God in our serving, in our, uh, our getting along with people, our treating people well, our giving of our money, our time, our resources, uh, prayer, doing a good job at work. All of these things are ways that we can worship him. Our whole lives can be worship, and that's what I really want out of my life. But I am going to focus a little bit on the time that we have every week because it does take up, you know, a third to a half of what we do every Sunday. So let's talk about it a little bit. And um, again, I have no agenda for what I want worship to look like for anyone. This is just I'm going to share a little bit of my own heart. Um, first of all, what does worship mean? Um, the Greek word is called, it's proskuneo. Um, pros meaning toward, kuneo, to kiss. I just love that picture right there. Just like when we worship, we're blowing kisses to God, basically. <laughs> I, I like that image. But that's not what they were talking about back then so much. They were talking more about to fall down prostrate before someone, um, kissing the ground towards someone. Um, it suggests the willingness to make all necessary physical gestures of obeisance, um, meaning if, you, if I'm coming to you in your culture, wherever you are, and you're the king, I'm going to do anything with my body to let you know that I see you as greater than myself. Um, however, for me, when I think of worship, the best way I like to describe it is worship is actively and vocally loving God. Just real simple. When I come to worship, my goal is to love you. Um, and I'll do that with my words and my actions. Okay. I like to think of, if uh, you guys, you know that book that's really popular, The Five Love Languages? So, am I saying that right? The five languages, whatever. Um, it comes down to, um, you know, he breaks down five different ways that people give and receive love. It seems like the way God is 
put worship up that one of his love languages is words of affirmation. <laughs> and so if that's a way I can love you, then I want to do that. And worship is a way that we can do that for him. That make sense? Yeah. Um, I get asked questions, um, and I answer them very unsatisfactorily and awkwardly, um, particularly if they're about institutions, the way I see things. So people will ask me, in front of Liz sometimes, what do you think of marriage? Or don't you love marriage, or isn't marriage hard? And that question just leaves me, I don't know what to do with that question, because the institution of marriage, the concept of marriage, it's neither here nor there with me. I've seen great marriages, I've seen awful marriages, I've seen marriages that fail, I've seen marriages that work, but the concept in itself of marriage doesn't do anything for me. But I love Liz. <laughs> and if, if insofar as marriage allows me to commit myself to her for my entire life, to live with her throughout my entire life, to give myself to her body and soul until the day that I die, yes, I love marriage. But marriage, apart from Liz, I'm not interested in. It doesn't, doesn't neither here nor there. Um, same thing happens with people asking me these days, tell me about fatherhood. Do you love being a father? I don't know. Um, fatherhood. I, you know, I, I spiritually direct people. I talk to a lot of people. I hear really good stories about fathers. I hear really bad stories about fathers and everywhere in between. So fatherhood in, as, a, as a concept, as an institution, I don't know. But I really love Bo. And I like hanging out with that kid. He's starting to walk. It's fascinating. Um, everything about him, I just love being with him. So insofar as I get to be with Bo all the time, yes, I think fatherhood's great. Um, Christianity as an institution. Someone asked me, if you line up all the religions and, and, and the outward stuff, do you love Christianity? Uh, it's neither here nor there. Um, however, I really love Jesus. And insofar as Christianity gives me Jesus, yes, I love Christianity. Worship is the same way with me. Uh, people ask me, I'm a worship leader, so everyone's like, oh, you must really, really love worship as a general conception, as an institution. And I think, well, no, because <laughs> if I was up here worshiping, say, a politician or some pop star or a movie star or somebody or whoever would be that person, I wouldn't get much out of it. Um, the music's not enough for me to really love that. And so, but I love Jesus. And so in the fact that, in, insofar as I can tell Jesus I love him while I worship, yes, I love worship. It's not so much what we're doing or the institution of worship, but it's the person we're worshiping, just like all of these concepts. Um, my job as a worship leader, it's not to entertain anyone. It's not to be a really good singer, thank the Lord. Um, it's not that, to be a really good instrumentalist. Or it's not even to pick the right songs all the time. But my job is to create an atmosphere where you can connect with the Lord and where we can connect with the Lord together to have an encounter. That's what it's for. Um, so if you're entertained at the end of a worship set, that's not great to me. <laughs> um, but if you had an encounter with the Lord, that, that's what's important to me. Yet, some of you know that before I came out here, uh, one of the things I used to do is I used to travel and do concerts around the country. And the Lord began to do this thing with me, teaching me this concept. After the concert, someone would come up to me and say, the Lord really touched me tonight and changed some things in my life. When you said this, 
that really made everything make sense. Well, the thing is, I never said that thing. I never thought that thing. I might not even agree with that thing they said I just said. And this would happen over and over again, and I'd get these emails and these letters from people telling me, you said this, and it just changed my life. And I never said it hardly, nine out of ten times, I never said any of this thing. It became kind of this joke, I think, between me and the Lord, where he was explaining to me, here's your job. Your job is to point people to me in an atmosphere where they can meet me. I'll take over from there. Um, that's why if I'm, you, got, you guys know sometimes I mess up on the words um, when I'm leading worship and you're like, what's he talking about? Or I make a wrong, you hear something like clang, it's probably me. Um, if you paid admission to a concert, I'd be very worried about that. But because my job is not to entertain anyone, it's to create an atmosphere. I don't, we got too much on, on doing that very often. Um, all right, see this whiteboard? I'm cutting out lots of my sermon because it was way, way too long. Um, so I apologize if it gets a little clunky here. But one of the things that, um, that happens in worship, as apart from the rest of our lives, there's a unity that comes between all of us in worship. You know, there's a lot we may not agree upon. One of the beauties of Platte Park Church is you pick any pew and you pick an issue and ask people, what do you think about it? You'll get different answers. Um, however, that doesn't keep us from worshiping together because we all agree that he is worthy, and we all face the same direction, and we say, you are worthy, you are awesome, you're amazing. Now, there's a thing that I want to just, we have a culture in our country where we can't talk to each other about things we don't agree about anymore. You agree with that? Um, I'll say a word, the election. Everyone gets on edge as soon as that word comes out of your mouth, and you're like scared of what's going to come out of my mouth next, um, right? Am I, right? I get that way, I'm sure. And, and in our country, here's the thing. We have this awful environment that tells us, I am right, and everybody who doesn't think like me is stupid, ill-informed, backward, crooked, selfish, or just downright evil. The media perpetuates that, and so we've lost this ability to say, to come at nuance with each other. Yeah, I agree with this, but not about this, and we can't have this conversation anymore because if you don't think like I do, you're a total idiot. Um, and ever since the election, I think the Lord has been pressing this story from the Bible on my heart, um, and I just want to share it today. Um, it's the story of Joshua. It's from Joshua chapter 5, if you want to look that up in your Bible. Um, if you have a pew Bible, we want to break in the, the, these things again. Um, if someone beats me to it, tell me. One seventy-two. All right, that's where we get. Thank you for beating me to it. Um, all right, here's. I'm going to set up this story. Do you guys remember Moses took all of Egypt? or all, of, all the Israelites out of Egypt. They escaped from slavery, the Red Sea, the plagues. They went out into the desert. Um, they were, the plan was for them to go into the promised land. They rebelled against God. They built the golden calf, the Ten Commandments, all that stuff, the water from the rock, right? Um, they rebelled against God. He said, none of you guys are going to make it, but except for Joshua and Caleb, but I'm going to raise up a new generation. So he raised up a new generation. 
It's time to enter the promised land. Again, the miracle. He parts the Jordan River so they can walk across on dry land into the promised land. They've been being fed for 40 years by manna. The Passover happens, and they, the manna stops. They're eating fruit out of the ground. Recently, God told Joshua to circumcise all of the men. That's anywhere from the lowest estimate is 50,000 people, and the highest estimate is a million men that he circumcised. I mean, what a couple days that might have been. Um, so all this has happened, and so the, you, Joshua is pretty sure that this is the Lord's people. Talk about lots of evidence to say this is the Lord's people, and it's time to probably start taking the land. Okay, so let's go to uh, um, Joshua chapter 5. When Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Spoiler alert, this is an angel of the Lord. Joshua approached him and asked, are you for us or for our enemies? Are you on our side or their side? And I just want us to think about this question in our political culture today. Are you on our side, God, or are you on their side? Because I know you're on my side. If anyone had the right to say you're on my side, Joshua did. (laughs) I mean, the river just parted. He just was obedient in a very strange way, right? So let's see what this angel of the Lord says. Neither. Are you on our side or their side? Neither, he replied. I have now come as the commander of the Lord's army. Let's just stop right there for a second. I just want us to think about this as a culture, as a people. Um, Talking about the unity that can come in worship. He's speaking to the angel of the Lord. Are you on our side or their side? And basically what he says is, I'm not on either of your sides. I'm on the Lord's side. The Lord is coming from such a place that you guys don't understand. You don't have all the information. You don't have the nuance here. He is on such a higher level than any of you are. I'm not on your side or on their side. I know you think they're idiots because they don't think like you. You're both idiots. Not in a mean way, but you have a created mind. You can't grasp the overall of, of who God is and what his plan is. I think this is very important. So what happens? Then Joshua bowed with his face to the ground in worship and asked him, what does my Lord want to say to his servant? The commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, remove the sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. I want us just to keep this in our hearts, in our political climate today. Um, When we come to worship, we can agree. Outside of worship, we fight about a lot of things, and we think that everyone who doesn't think exactly like we do is some kind of idiot. It's good to remember we're all kind of idiots, because we don't have the whole picture on anything. Okay, I realized that was a side sermon and clunky, but I felt from the Lord I I needed to get this off my chest, because it's been there for a long time. (laughs) All right, back to our regularly scheduled program. Um, Worship. The reason I want to talk about worship is because I want us to give the most we can out of this time and to receive the most we can out of this time. I think it's easy for us to just go through a few songs and just waste that time and miss the opportunity that's there for us. Um, So the question is, how can I worship more wholeheartedly in my life? Um, These are just little baby steps. Again, I just want to make sure that you don't think the worship leader wants us to do cartwheels across the front all, all day long. I mean, I'm whatever, but uh, I want us to engage with the Lord. So the, the thing 
there's only one. I don't have a list. I don't even know I put a one there, but the list is participate. <laughs> um, all we do is show up and we just say, I want to enter in, Lord. Participate. Worship is not a spectator sport. Um, like I said, if you come up to me at the end of the thing, worship sounded really good today. Um, that doesn't mean much to me. Stephanie Mayer, uh, we have Wednesday night, um, we have a thing called Just Worship, where we just come for an hour and all we do is sing. We just worship the Lord and that's it. And Stephanie came up to me and she gave me the best compliment that anyone could give me as a worship leader. She said, you guys totally disappeared tonight. I didn't notice you guys at all. <laughs> that is what I want to hear as a worship leader. Um, what, mean, what that means to me is I connected with the Lord. Everything else just kind of disappeared. That's what worship is for. She loved him and received love from him. That's a good compliment. Um, the thing about being a spectator, I get people that come up to me and they'll say, you know, they talk about worship. And, I don't sing. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what to do with that because it's kind of like saying, uh, I, and I know why, because I used to be a non-singer myself. And I, it, I don't sing because I don't feel comfortable. I don't feel like I'm a good singer. Uh, it makes me insecure. But that's also like saying to me, I don't give because I'm just kind of stingy. Um, I don't feel comfortable giving because I like to keep my money. Or, you know, I don't share the Lord with people because it makes me uncomfortable. It's just like, it, that's not a great reason. Uh, the Bible's full of these imperatives that tell you to sing. Sing to one another these psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. You, you'll see it throughout the Bible. I, I encourage you to look it up if, uh, if you're wondering. Um, it tells us to do that a lot. But being a, being a spectator, in, particularly in worship, there's a very fine line and a very steep slope between spectator and critic. And this is true of life in general. Um, if we're just watching something that other people are participating in, soon we'll form opinions. And then if you want to step right out of spirituality and right out of connection with the Lord, start spectating and critiquing what's happening. And you'll watch it just dissipate. The next sad step that happens after that is you become kind of sharing your opinions with other people. And it's like spectator, critic, cancer in a community. And that's not the way to go. Trust me. The Lord is giving us this wonderful gift to enter into. And it may make us uncomfortable sometimes, like I don't feel comfortable singing, I don't feel comfortable doing this or that and the other, but it's an opportunity to connect with him, and I never want us to miss that. Bo has taught me some about worship lately. Um, this is like the best, cutest thing ever. But Bo will wake up at about 6.30 or so, and then for about a half an hour to an hour, he'll play and just kind of talk in his crib. But then he'll yell out, and it's time for us to go get him. And when we open the door, this is Bo. His crib's about up to here. He's doing this. He's smiling, and he's just doing this because he's so excited for us to come in the room. And I can't tell you what that does to my heart. Sometimes when I come home from work, he'll be in the bay window, and he'll be banging on the window and laughing. And I just let my heart just melt. And I think in worship, I want God, God, I want you to feel that way when I'm worshiping you. I want to express how much I love you and how excited I am to be with you in these times of worship. I don't want to waste that time because we don't think enough of how we're making him feel. We think all the time of how he's making us feel. But in worship, this is our time to give to him, to make him feel like that. Falling in love with Liz was a big portion of um, me understanding worship as well. Um, when I fell in love with Liz, I'm not an, a, a, an inherently romantic, emotional guy. 
when I fell in love with Liz, that changed dramatically. And here's the thing. I, I, I was willing to appear foolish to let her know how much I loved her. Because I believe that Liz is the greatest human being on the planet. And I used to. I still do. I uh, probably always will. Um, but in my mind, it's like, okay, that's true. And I don't care if I look dumb telling you this. Or I don't even care if you reject me in telling you this. It's worth it to let you know the truth of how wonderful you are. Um, and that, that was a shift in me. Because I usually was not used to looking foolish, um, to just to let somebody know, but she deserves to know how great she is. Trust me, get to know her, you'll find out. Um, so these are things that kind of have helped me um, in worship. Am I, wor- look, am I willing to look foolish in showing you how much I love you? Um, talking about the Lord. Worship and giving, these are two, I think, really, really easy on-ramps into connection and encounter with the Lord. Giving Pick out a chunk of money that's going to hurt and then give it to some awesome cause and just watch what happens. I mean, it's guaranteed something great is going to happen with you. It's going to be a good thing. Um, The Lord says, test me in this in the book of Malachi. Worship's kind of like that. We can take these little, little baby risks that seem really big to us in worship. And what that does for us, and say, say you're not a singer. Okay. I'm just going to at least say the words. <laughs> Take a little bit of little, little step. Maybe I'll sing just really softly. Uh, it's better than nothing. Baby steps. If I'm used to doing this while I worship, what if I do this? It's amazing what happens to your mind when your body changes a little bit. Uh, so some of you are in wholehearted. And we did this uh, series where we would just, none of us were really super demonstrative worshipers in ourselves. But we said, let's see if there's anything to this. So we would just sing the same song over and over again. Okay, let's start off like this. And we'll sing this song. And then we'll do this. Then we'll do this. We'll just sing it over and over again. Eventually we do this, this, whatever it was. We'd end up laying on our ground. Just trying it. Just, I I say, you know, we feel super conspicuous when we're the only ones doing it. But when the whole room's doing it, we just kind of try it just to see what it would be. It's amazing what happens, how your mind and your soul will follow what your body's doing sometimes. And it's helpful just to try that kind of stuff out. So taking little risks in worship, they're just so, uh, they're just such baby risks because the the consequence is so small that someone might look at me. Although usually during worship, no one does. Um, But we're building that muscle of taking a risk, of looking a little foolish. You know, we don't grow unless we're a little bit uncomfortable, right? Um, Some people say God hates the comfort zone because we don't grow there. So worship is just like this wonderful little way to make tiny, tiny little risks. Um, I'll talk about raising my hands um, during worship. I'm not a hand raiser inherently, but I'll do it from time to time. Um, And I'm going to give you four reasons while I'll do that. Um, Again, it's not my nature. But the first reason is it seems more biblical to do it than not to do it. If you ever get your Bible out and start reading about worship, Everyone's always raising their hands, they're clapping, they're doing these things. You know, you read the story of David, he's dancing before the Lord, all this kind of thing. Um, I'm not there. Um, however, it seems like every time I'm reading about worship, their hands are up in the air. And so I thought, well, it's definitely biblical, so I can't use that one as an excuse not to. Um, the second one, I mean, let's be honest. The God of the universe who spoke the universe into being in perfect order came to earth 
and allowed himself to die on a cross so that I could be with him. I think I can do this, <laughs> right? It's such a small gesture. He's so worthy of that. And again, relax. I'm not making you raise your hand. Um, <laughs> three, um, this is, I, maybe it just hits me one time and I just feel inspired to do that. That happens from time to time. I think we think that when other people are doing that, it's always that. And until that happens, I'm not going to do it. Which brings me to number four, which is the least sexy of all of these, but it's probably the most common for me. I don't feel anything. I don't feel inspired. I don't feel, I, I'm kind of distracted. I'm wallowing. I might be critiquing. I might just be lethargic. And I'm going to just make a decision. I can't get into this. I just can't get into this. So if I'll do this, that helps me get into it. I just say, okay, this is what's happening in heaven right now. People are around you worshiping with their hands up, so I'm just going to enter into that. And, and that will help me stop my critiquing, stop my distraction, and just be where I am in the present moment. It's a disappointing one, isn't it? Uh, I'm, I was always hoping that this thing would come over me and make me do it, but that's the majority of times I'll do it. I'm making a decision to do it. So my, my challenge to us is just during worship, I just want us to take advantage of it. More than anything, I don't care what it looks like on the outside, but I just challenge us to take one tiny little step. You know, if you ever marginal gains, um, Nate Stroer did a speech on it one time, marginal gains, just these, if you do it just a little bit more every, every time, then at the end of the year, you've made great strides. So you work on our courage muscle and our faith muscle as we do this kind of thing. So just take tiny risks. Do like one little more thing. If you're here Maybe do this. I don't care. I mean, it really doesn't matter at all what it looks like to me. I just want us to take advantage of our worship time to show God as much as we can how much we love him with our voice, with our body. Watch over the time as things change, just little risks for him. Uh, it's a wonderful place to be. So we're gathered here on Sunday mornings not because we love meetings, we don't come here because we love singing or we love preaching or we love worship. I mean, some of us may. But we're here for Jesus. And he's given us this wonderful way to let us in on how he receives love and how we can love him. I just want us to take some risks with only him in mind as we worship. We can do that today and as time goes on. Let's pray. Lord, we worship you today with our mind, with our heart, with our soul, with our strength, with our bodies. Lord, above all, we thank you that you are so worthy of anything we could ever give you. Lord, we ask that we would have courage to step out just a little, that we could exercise our muscles of discomfort, of being willing to be think, thought of as foolish for your sake. Lord, we want to give you everything, not just our mind, but our bodies as well, our spirits and our souls.